Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Berry. And as we were all hoping, um, Ty Ty Washington committed to the Wildcats. I don't like this joke at all, Adam. Yeah, it's terrible. It's, it's, this is what happens when half the teams are named Wildcats. Brings me back to the old Simpsons football episode. But Ty Ty Washington, five-star point guard, Arizona, was in on hoping to get because there is a hole at the point guard position. Chose Kentucky which we kind of alluded to this last week's show, Brett, that it was seemed likely that that's where it was heading. And as much as you want to say, how could they not get an Arizona kid to stay in Arizona? Again, as we said last week, here's a guy who committed to Kentucky, to John Calipari, instead of a first-time head coach you know, at a program that might be facing some sort of sanctions that we don't know about. So it stings, it hurts, but I think that's as far as it should go. Yeah, I don't think it's... I don't think it's a end of the world, but I also don't think it's like a no big deal loss. Um, oh, it's a loss. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, I mean, I'm saying it's it's not like somebody could brush it off as like a not a big deal. Because I think it actually it's a it's a disappointing uh, outcome. Um, you know, like last week I told you that there's there's no world in which I think there's somebody they're going to get out of the transfer portal that's better than Ty Ty Washington. And I stand by that. Um, it's, it sure seemed like Tommy Lloyd and crew were kind of put their eggs in the Ty Ty Washington basket and it looks pretty good for a little while. And now that's just not going to be the case. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some, there's been some other basketball news that we, we can talk about with the roster in a minute. Um, but you know, right as of right now, it's still an incomplete roster and there's, there's still time to fill it. Um, you know, is it going to be filled with a top 25 star <laughs> point guard recruit in a spot that could really use it? It appears not. So that's yeah, disappointing. I, I think when you look at this, just the best way to frame it is getting Ty Ty Washington would have been huge. Not only just because he fills a need, but because it's like if Tommy Lloyd could come in and within a month convince this guy to come to Arizona with all that's going on, you'd been like, wow, like this is this is just great. You know, not getting Ty Ty Washington isn't a knock on Tommy Lloyd and Arizona's recruiting efforts as much as getting him would have been such a just a positive development. Does that make sense? Like I've, I'm failing to have the best words for this one, but like if you would have gotten to Arizona, you'd be like, wow, that's great. You know, what a job, but him not going to Arizona, him choosing Kentucky is like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. It's you're, it, it'd be more surprisingly great than it's surprisingly disappointing yeah. of getting him versus not. Like, I think if you're trying to look at this and say, well, Tommy Lloyd can't get the job done. It's like, that's not the right approach. That's not the right response to this because again, yeah, few, people gonna beat, yeah, people, few people are going to beat John Calipari when it comes to recruiting, especially just, I mean, they're loading up on talent and Tata, like that makes sense. If Arizona goes to head to head with Kentucky right now. I expect Kentucky to win every single time. That doesn't mean Arizona doesn't have a future. That doesn't mean the roster is going to be bad. It just means one guy who they could have got that would have seemingly made it just that much better is not coming. Arizona's missed out on recruits before. (laughs) This isn't the first time they've had a guy they were after and in on in the final two, final three, and did not land. So 
Life goes on for the Wildcats, and it does. They did pick up a commitment to from a French guard, Adama Ball. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Again, like this is we were joking in, about it on Twitter. <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's going to be tougher. It's easier to spell, but this was a rumor for Arizona for a while. And of course, it's Tommy Lloyd. You go more of the overseas connections, but he's like a wing who has some point guardish skills. Very very young. The type of guy seems more like a project, but also the type of player who I think Arizona should be excited to have right now. Yeah, it's uh, he's somebody that seems to have some decent skills and some upside. Granted, as a wing position player, that probably already have the best depth on the roster, but somebody that can you know come in and hopefully add some value. I've seen some pictures and videos of him. He looks like boy. Let's you know. Chris Rounds, do your job. Let's put some weight on that kid. <laughs> yeah, six um, six one eighty. You know he's, but he's young. I think he's seventeen, and if he plays next season, he'd be the youngest player in college basketball. So and he's got a six eleven wingspan. So the tools are there. I mean, I'm pretty sure Aaron Gordon was the youngest, one of the youngest players in college basketball, if not the youngest, when he was at Arizona. But okay, he was a so, little bit, he was a little bit more developed. I was going to say, uh, so you heard it here first on Wildcat Radio two point Brett Barry says Adama <laughs> Ball is the next Aaron Gordon. Fake news, Adam. Fake news. <laughs> um, this is one, though, if they didn't get him, you could almost say, wait a minute, Tommy Lloyd's supposed to be good at these players, right? And with all the connections, Arizona has a couple of guys on their roster that speak French. It seemed like a good fit. But to that point, he may not have to come in. You said like there's a lot of depth at wing, which is true. They're not going to need Ball to come in and be a starter day one. You know, there's talk about maybe him redshirting based on the fact that they have all that depth at the wing positions and he's going to be so young and needs to add some weight. Like this is a really good developmental prospect, which is not something that Arizona has had a lot of. We thought last year's roster was kind of the start of maybe bringing that style back, but this is a guy who, yeah, maybe next season, the year after the year after that, that's when we're going to see the fruits of this one. Yeah. Like let's be real. Adama balls probably not taken many minutes from Ben Matherin or Dalen Terry on the perimeter, or maybe even not Shane Noel, uh, or the other pickup that happened of yeah, uh, the Larson transfer of came Pell in. Larson. Yeah. Like, you know, I would I would not be surprised if Larson is the starting two guard with Kirk Reese at the point if if nothing else changes right now, or you just get some kind of like grad transfer, like they can zag a guy as a backup point guard, combo guard type. Yeah. Um and Pell Larson's supposed to have some good outside shooting. Adama Ball's supposed to have some pretty good pretty good handles, some raw athleticism, you know. You know, just the best defense against him is a stiff breeze right now. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he's 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 lanky, Adam. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But but isn't that kind of, I mean, for wings? And we saw Arizona, even I want to say the most recent good Sean Miller teams, say, they tend to struggle. Once they didn't have like the Rondé Hollis Jefferson, you know, and Kadeem Allen, who was a good defender, had long arms. He was more of a two guard. But they need length in those wing, length and athleticism at the three, four spots, which they haven't had. They've had size at the four, but not necessarily super athleticism. And they've had, you know, they haven't had those six, 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 seven wings who could play defense, who could stretch the floor a little bit. So he's more of a bit developmental prospect. But you mentioned Pell Larson, who comes over from Utah. That's another good pickup. That's one that we're going to see, I would think, this season. I mean, as a freshman last year for Utah, that's that's fun. An interconference transfer that Arizona picked up. That that's nice. But, of course, they had a coaching change, too. But averaged eight points, three rebounds, almost three assists a game last season. Shot nearly 47% from three-point range. 
Like this that's, is the type of player key, that we've been wanting stat. for years. It seems like, right? Yeah, that's that's the key stat. You know, we haven't had an. I mean, Ben Matherin surprised everyone, maybe even himself, with how well he shot the three last year, and that really changed the the, the floor and the ceiling for last mm-hmm. year's team. Um, of course, you know, it ended prematurely due to self-imposed postseason ban, but you know. Boy, if you have somebody that can stretch the floor and shoot that, if you have a forty-seven percent three-point shooter that can play competent defense, that really shifts the dynamic as a as like a as a floor stretcher, as just making the offense flow, keeping the lane from getting clogged up. It really makes a big difference. Yeah, on someone like him, he also is from Sweden. So it's another overseas type of player. And, you know, I know uh, Tommy Lloyd said he's not trying to make this Gonzaga. We're just going to recruit Europeans and guys from outside the States. And they do need to land some stateside players like that's I mean, that's I'm not saying you can't win with all foreign guys, but I think the sustained success, like obviously the best ones that are there, go get them. It doesn't matter where they come from. Go get them. But Pell Larson's a type of player who I would say you kind of start to see what type of offense uh, Tommy Lloyd wants to run. But also, he's a type of player who could fit in pretty much any offense because even the best Sean Miller teams that we saw, which run a completely different offense than what we're expecting to see going forward, could have used a guy with his size and that shot-making ability. So, like, but like you said, Brett, if he is, if he can play a little bit of defense or if they can surround him with the right players and maybe, because I don't think he's known as a great defender, but also he's a freshman last season, so there's he room to grow. Be, he just needs to be competent. Yeah. Really. And if he can shoot 45% from three-point range, Around, I mean, he shot forty-seven percent last season. That's unreal. He made nearly half his three-point attempts, you know, and he wasn't taking like one a game. So he's the type of player who, I don't. I mean, he has four years to play. Like, if he goes all four years, he has you know transfers over. He played last season, but with the transfer rules and COVID and all that, he has four years of eligibility. So he seems similar to Ball, the type of player who is like, all right, they're going to be around for a couple of seasons at least and watch mm-hmm. them grow. With a team that, again, this is what we were hoping to see out of last year's squad, which largely is coming back. It's like, oh, we get to see them grow. Now there's a lot of new players on this coming up team now we're going to see, which isn't what we had in mind. But at the same time, like you kind of see a roster where, yeah, it's still short of point guard. But, you know, it's short of point guard and maybe one more forward, hopefully an athletic forward. But you start to see a roster where... Kaluma. Yeah. But if they can fill those holes, they don't have to fill them with stars, but they can fill those holes with competent players, solid players, you see a world where this team could be pretty good. Yeah, and I think Adama Ball, I think, is in a different way. Um, you know, it's always it's always a risk with the Euro players because you don't really know exactly what you have. Um, but, like, some of the stuff I was reading was that he is – uh, the, I believe the, to paraphrase it was like the highest level talent in Europe that wasn't going to the NBA, which last year, that was basically what people were saying about Azulas Tubelas. Was it okay? Yeah, I was not sure if it was him or Bacho that they were talking about. No, it was, it was Tubelas, and okay. Bacho was not too far behind. Um, granted, I think there's a. For me, like when you when you're that lanky as a ball is, like it's all about upside and mm-hmm. basic skill set, right? Because like. I, he could be really skilled. He could be, you know, he could be Brandon Ingram 2.0 where he's so goddamn skinny <laughs> that he just, like, gets bullied. But you got to be really, really skilled and good to still be an effective player. And maybe he can do that. But, boy, he is so lanky that it's going to be hard to be a, a competent defender or to not get bullied in general if somebody wants to focus in on him. Um, you know, Tabellus, I think, was 
he even took a little while to get settled into it. At the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. he struggled. Uh, and as the season went on, you know, I think m- maybe no player grew more as a, in confidence and consistency, even, even though he still had some games where it was like up and down a little bit. Um, but Tubelas was a different player by the end of the season in general. Right? Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, I, my, my gut tells me unless, unless disaster strikes in terms of filling out the, the backcourt, he'll, he'll most likely redshirt. Or if it was a COVID type year where you could play minutes and not worry about eligibility, he would get some minutes. Um, but based on Pell Larson, I think Pell Larson as of right now is the front runner for starting at the two spot. Um, you think like it'd be Carissa, Larson, Matherin, Terry, yeah. and Tabellis so, or something? Or do you think Coloco's starting? If you gun to my head, current roster, obviously subject to change. Sure. I would go Kirk Carissa, Pell Larson, Ben Matherin, Tabellis, and Coloco. And that mainly because I just don't know if they want to go that small on at the four. And we can't know. Um, we haven't seen this offense. <laughs> That's the fun thing well, yeah. about this. And, I, and I, I, I think the lineup you've mentioned is one we will absolutely see with Tubelis at the five. But I think you sacrifice so much on the defensive end. Just if you have anybody. It, it, the, the roster is being set up in a way that you can either adjust to the team you're playing uh, to either match up with them or to exploit their weaknesses. Yeah. If that makes sense. Because we have flexibility in terms of you know, there's some there's you can have some massive guys that are great defensive post players uh, and you have some depth on the wings. I'd feel a lot, lot better if you had one more scoring threat in the in the front court. And honestly, you know, I, you know me, I'm a huge advocate of playing Dale and Terry at the four in certain matchups, especially against his own, even though he still struggled a little bit with confidence in it. But I love him in a high post position where he can be a facilitator. But boy, if Tubelis rolls an ankle or gets in foul trouble, you better be shooting the ball well, and that's where you better get the ball to Kirk Carissa and Pell Larson. Yeah, well, the, like you said, they are in on four-star forward Arthur Kaluma. I don't know when he's supposed to decide. He hasn't given a date. Like Arizona's supposed to be one of the finalists. I think Creighton's in on him too. So we'll see. Like that would be a good get. You know, he may not be Aaron Gordon type, one and done his first year that great, but that's depth because, like you said, with Tubelis rolls an ankle or something like that, gets in foul trouble right now. They're thin in a couple of spots. Like, they have talent, but the depth isn't there. And there's not as many sure things as you'd like going into a season, but at the same time, that was kind of the case last year, too, and they ended up being pretty good. Uh, One final men's basketball note. There's some women's basketball news, too, that we'll get to after the break. Say goodbye to a player's program. That's I mean, that was a Sean Miller phrase. You know, this is a player's program. Um, that is no longer the Twitter account. It's no longer the Instagram. They're just Arizona MBB for Arizona mm, men's but... basketball. <laughs> but I isn't mean... basketball one word? It just be Arizona MB. It's an extra B, I think. I guess that depends on how you want to abbreviate, Adam. Uh, I feel at least some sense of nostalgia for the players program much more than I felt for the OKG moniker leaving <laughs> the Arizona football program. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what the intro video is going to look like now because it always, you know, had the Sean Miller. This is a play, like Tommy Miller just could be like, it's Arizona men's basketball. <laughs> we basketball well. <laughs> <laughs> We're men who play basketball. <laughs> like, <I don't> know. <laughs> 
But anyway, players program is no more. It makes sense, though, because that was a Sean Miller thing. Sean Miller, of course, is no longer the coach. So Arizona moves into a completely different direction. It's a new era, the Tommy Lloyd era, and they, it's not bad so far. has room to improve, but either way, I think it is somewhat refreshing for Arizona basketball fans to try something else because the last few years have been quite taxing. Brett, let's take a break. When we come back, the women's basketball team picked up a huge commitment, and they're also going to be in a big tournament. We'll talk about it. Welcome back, and... As talked about before the break, Brett, Maya Naji, that name might ring a bell. Zeke Naji's sister committed to Arizona, the highest ranked recruit in program history, a five star who I think was between Arizona and Stanford, although Florida, UCLA, Georgia, basically every college that has a women's basketball program want her to come play there. It's not a surprise. You know, because it's like, this is what you kind of expected, or this is what you hoped to expect, if that makes sense, with Adia Barnes. And, like, the run they went on, like, okay, they should be able to pull recruits like this. Like, they should be able to get these star players to commit to Arizona. So it's it's expected, but it's still kind of like, all right, it's happening. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> continuing the, the positive momentum for Adia Barnes and crew that's been going on, I feel like for, it feels like it's been building for three years now mm-hmm. with, like, you know, going back to the NIT season. But yeah, I, I don't know if you've uh, spent any time watching some of uh, Maya Naji's highlights and or watched the commitment video. Which She was can play. Del- <laughs> the commitment video is delightful. And it's it's funny. I feel like I could see, like, you know, it's an easy comparison of, like, Zeke Naji as, like, a female player. Like, yeah. that kind of, like, competitive fire, nice soft touch around the basket. And it's like, you know, if she is the equivalent or maybe better uh, than Zeke Naji is for men's basketball. Boy, you feel pretty excited about the direction of the She's program. a six four forward. She's a number seven player in the twenty twenty two class. So we should can't make keep it's twenty twenty two, so not this coming season, but next season. But I forget where Zeke was ranked, but he wasn't number seven in his class. No, so, he was a high four star, I believe. Yeah. So in terms of just the initial I mean Zeke was great. Like it's not fair like she Maya's her own person, right? Like, so it's not about be, becoming Zeke, but it's a very co- easy comparison to make. This Najee pipeline flowing through Tucson has proven to be pretty good so far. So I don't mind more of them coming through. You know, Zeke was great as a freshman. I uh, made it to the NBA first round draft pick with the Nuggets. So Maya Najee commits to Arizona. I mean, but even just like saying like that she chose Arizona over Stanford, who just won the national championship, you know, over all these programs who have proven to be elite for year after year after year. If you're Arizona, like when we talked to P.J. Brown shortly after the tournament, and just we've had that discussion, like this is how you build off that momentum. You don't go to the championship game, lose by a point, and then not build off of that because it's easy to not build off of that. You know, it could be a fluky tournament run. They're showing, Idea Barnes is showing that it is not a fluke, that she's been building this program. Like you said, it's been like a three-year thing almost. But this is how you keep it going. How do you follow up a turn- national championship game appearance while losing, you know, two of your best players to the pros? You know, arguably the best player in program history to the pros. You add more talent like this. <laughs> you know, that's how you do it. Well, and she's she's not the first 2022 commit either. You have Kalen Gilbert, who's a point guard in 2022, who's committed. That's also a top 20 player. So yeah. you already have two top 20 players committed to Dia Barnes's team, and like they're, I don't. Can you both reload and rebuild at the same time? Like, I think that the talent level might be increasing considerably, even after, like, you know, this year we'll see who who's able to step up and with some of the new players joining. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but boy, you you look ahead even to 2022, and it's a different thing in women's basketball. It's a little bit more analogous to the to the old days of men's basketball, where you actually like build a program and people stick around for three four years. And boy, it's 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 hard to look at the future and not get really excited about Arizona women's basketball. Yeah, oh, and you can also tell there's a confidence in the program too. Arizona this week it was announced they're going to play in a, the 2021 Paradise Jam. Now that's this coming season, but it's one of the bigger preseason tournaments. They're going to be playing with DePaul, Northwestern, Pittsburgh, Rutgers, South Dakota, Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt. You know, it's a good tournament to be, and it just kind of shows where Arizona women's basketball is right now. Like they are, <laughs> they're. I think they're being treated as elite. You know, they didn't win it. I mean, they had one tournament run, which is crazy about it. But it's like. You just know that wasn't a fluke, and that's I go back to that word because like it happens. Teams in college basketball have those fluky tournament runs. They get there, and it's like, oh, that was fun, and they don't make it back. You don't believe they're going to make it back. Arizona's not that. No, well, it goes back to Arizona's actually been on the rise for th- three years. It just hasn't had the national exposure because last year's March Madness got canceled when they, they had a legit chance to make a Final Four run the prior season, right? Yeah. Um. And the, the funny thing is, the, the the last year's run to the title game only elevated in, you know, in both recruiting circles and just natural national profile. And the more the more the microscope goes on Adia Barnes, the better the Arizona women's basketball program mm-hmm. looks. And it's because Adia Barnes is, you know, I mean, I don't I can't recall a a, a head coach. um that has combined like legitimate praise and success so rapidly in like a completely deserving way. And just like, while exemplifying leadership along mm-hmm. the way. <laughs> um, and so it's like, like who's, who's, who's going to have a bad word to say about Adia Barnes. And every time they learn more about her and see her speak, she just seems more of like an awesome human being and leader and coach. Um, and so Boy, that it's it's the snowball effect in the positive direction right now for the whole program. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think you said that perfectly. Arizona is lucky to have Adia Barnes because she's obviously not resting on any laurels from what she's done. She's building and building and building and grinding and going to make this thing work. Like it's easy to say before, like oh they'll be back, you know. But this is a team that's going to be in the postseason in the NCAA tournament every year. It looks like, and every year they're going to be one of the top. Uh, eight favorites to win the whole thing, probably even higher in some years, depending on how their teams shape up. But that's where you want to be, you know, consistently at that level where you're not going to win it every year. It's tough to make a final four run. It's tough to win a national championship, but put yourself in the conversation year after year after year. And eventually you're going to break through. I mean, they were a point away from breaking through this past year. So I mean, they weren't far <laughs> off this year. And I, I have a hard time believing they won't make it back with a Dia Barnes at the helmet. I don't know when it'll be, but I don't think it'll be that long from now. <laughs> Adam, I, I had like I got in a little cold sweat when you said the uh, a point away. Eventually, you're going to break through, and I just thought of Sean Miller. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wasn't in the national championship game. No, it was just elite eight every but, year. But that's also the thing, though. When Arizona, they were they like Arizona men's basketball to finish up this segment on women's basketball. But they were in the conversation for like four out of five years. We're like, okay, they went into it where you knew they had a chance. You know, the, the right bounce goes their way, the right matchup. They're going to be in the conversation, and sooner or later, like maybe you get that break. That ball bounces in, or that you know turnover goes off the other team, or just you have the person who gets hot shooting that day. Like it, if you're there enough times, you should break through. I actually that makes me have a good question to pose you, Adam. Year four of Sean Miller, year four of Adia Barnes. 
I think we're in, we're in going into year four of Idea Barnes, or is it year five? Um, I sh- I should have show prepped. Damn it. No, nah, not for this show. Yeah. <laughs> um. Both situations, I feel like everybody said it's just a matter of time. This no, was year we, five. Okay. So she's going into year six. So at year six, who do you feel better about uh, being right there on the cusp in the and the direction of the program? Go back in time to Sean Miller, year six, or Adia Barnes, year six? Jeez, because Sean Miller's year six was the second or the third Elite Eight, the last Elite Eight, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, and it seemed like a well-oiled machine. They were bringing a ton, I, of ton, ton of talent back. That's what I mean. I say I, I think it's actually a reasonable comparison. Interesting. I would say just based on the way the women's game differs from the men's game, I feel a lot more calm about Adia Barnes because I think it's easier to maintain that elite level, you know, especially when you have that recruiting pipeline that's coming in that she's starting to build. But certainly, Sean Miller's sixth year, you thought that he had the team because they were bringing back McConnell and Rondé. And they were bring, you know, they brought in Stanley Johnson. They had Tarzuski, Brandon Ashley, kind of like they had a loaded roster that was ready. It's different because that had a that was a loaded roster. That you thought, okay, they can make a run here. Whereas the program stability, like Adia Barnes has, has a loaded program, if that makes sense. Like they're they're not going anywhere. You know, no, I, th- I, I think that totally makes sense. And also the nature of women's basketball versus men's basketball of roster turnover. Yeah, like you can look at the current roster and know that the like the people that are freshmen and sophomores in the, you know, will be here when this, these two players in the top, uh, you know, 20 in 2022 class come and play. Right. Yeah. And so you can, I, I, I think I agree. Of course we have the benefit of hindsight of knowing how the Sean Miller era <laughs> turned out. <laughs> do we, do we call that a benefit knowing how that all turned out? It's kind of a, we have the knowledge. Memories. Yeah. We, we know what happened, but Brett, let's take one more break, and when we come back, Arizona football added to the defense through the transfer portal. Let's talk about the new guys. All right, we're back for one more segment here in Arizona football. They had the spring game. It was great. Some players entered the transfer portal. Fine. No real huge losses based on what we know. The defense, though, had a couple more players this past week. Got a linebacker from Vanderbilt. I'm thinking it's Kenny A. Bear. That's what I'm going to it's either a bear or Haybert. So we're going to say a bear. Not bad. Depth at linebacker. And then they got a walk on uh, from Fresno State, a defense line, Leval Tatum. He is also transferring to Arizona. Like, if you're Arizona getting, we're going to say a bear and Tatum here, uh, it's pretty good to add these guys to a defense that certainly. It wasn't overloaded with talent, at least from what we could tell the last few seasons. Yeah, I our, I think it's officially time to retire our joke of linebacker singular. <laughs> <laughs> because all of a sudden, you know, DJ Morning, who was like a promising young player that probably shouldn't have been playing last year. He's looking up at a lot of guys in the in the linebacker room between, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the grad transfers that are coming, Howard and the, Roberts, the, um, Malik you know, Reed coming in. You still got Anthony Payne, Isaiah Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's, you know, he's he's probably still going to get snaps, but boy, he's going to have to earn them. <laughs> as opposed <laughs> That's good. to, if, yeah, oh, a hundred percent. But you know, it's, I mean, I'll, and then, you know, what's what what becomes of a Rourke Freeberg? 
um, in the in this linebacker slash maybe he goes to the viper position where it's a little more of a a, a combo linebacker safety and fits his more traditional body type. Um, and guys can rotate in and on and off the field to stay fresher throughout the course of a game. Yeah. So, I mean, the most underrated thing in college football and the difference between not not the great teams because they're just they're they have like a five deep of you know, four and five star guys, but the difference between a good team and an average team and a bad team in college football is, in my opinion, is always depth, mm-hmm. right? Um, injuries are going to happen larger and small. Um, and if you get, if you get depleted in one roster spot, you know, it can literally ruin uh, your ability to be competitive, no matter how well you tr- like, remember a couple of years ago when Arizona lost like every middle linebacker and they had like yeah, that a was walk-on fun. guy, like, it was, you know, a half step above, hey, you in the crowd, throw on a helmet. <laughs> um, and, like, there's there's only so much, you know, if you have one position that everybody knows is, like, hey, run at that guy. The difference between an average and a good team is, in my mind, is always depth, you know. And even, even an average and a below average team is depth. Uh, and I already actually, you know, before we get uh, – you know, this Vanderbilt transfer Hebert of or however you, you want to pronounce it. Hebert. Sounds like an um, A-Bear. It looks like an A-Bear. It's probably an A-Bear. Um, and, and also adding Tatum to the defensive line that I already think was actually not terrible in terms of the, the talent level uh, and the depth of talent. And I start to feel pretty good about those position groups, right? Yeah, well, the front seven, we've seen some of the guys they've had with Malik Reed. Like, okay, Wisconsin guy now, Bear coming from Vanderbilt. His numbers don't jump off the page. You know, he wasn't like a four-star recruit or anything like that. 53 career tackles, two sacks, 12 tackles for loss. Played in 34 games, but he has experience. You know, he's a veteran who can come in there. He knows what he's doing. He's probably a depth guy, but if he's pressing to action more, if he's going to have to earn a starting spot, you feel better about him being on the field. And no matter what, he pushes someone else down who should probably be a level down. You know, like a DJ Morning isn't going to be relied on as a sophomore here to come in and just be the guy. You know, some of the players they had to run turn to last season, they have potential, they have talent, but they weren't ready. Like, there's certain true freshmen that you're excited to play because, like, they're ready. Like, they exist. They weren't Arizona's, you know, not defensively. It's just it's just the fact of the matter. So if those guys can be on your second string or your third string and work their way up, get stronger, get more knowledgeable with the defense and whatever it is, then you're going to be better for it. And then you get Tatum here, who's a defensive end who's been at Fresno State. He's excited. I think he's, he said, like, a tweet or no, where he's like, he, didn't, he doesn't think he was used properly at Fresno State, which makes you wonder, okay. I mean, he's six foot one, two hundred fifty nine pounds. Again, another guy whose stats don't actually jump out at you, but he's a player who adds to that depth, who has experience. And if nothing else, the way I see this too is obviously Arizona is not in the best of places, not coming off the best of season. They've lost a few games in a row. But if you're Arizona, like you're getting these players to commit to you to play, and maybe that's the excitement of a new coaching staff, and with a Don Brown defense, and the fact that hey. I could go to Arizona and possibly play my first year there because they were so bad. Like, that's all part of this. But still, you're getting these players who, for some of the grad transfers or from their final seasons, are coming to Arizona to play. For some of the guys that decided to come back, Aaron Blackwell, for instance, Anthony Pandy, guys who decided to return for one more season. We don't know how it's going to go. Most people don't expect the Wildcats to be particularly good next season, and that's probably closer to the truth than not, unless, like, the quarterback situation can get ironed out because – 
you know, that's important. But defensively, it looks like they're going to have a much better handle. Like, they're still not where they need to be numbers-wise and talent-wise, I'm sure. But it looks like they're going to be better than they were last season, probably better than they were the year before that, and with much better coaching. Well, and, like, look at just look at the defense with J.B. Brown coming back, with Christian Young coming back. Those guys were going to be, you know— on a good team, they shouldn't necessarily be the your star players, but they are legitimate contributors, right? Mm-hmm. And without them and with no depth behind them, um, when they opted out uh, for COVID, and I think with Christian Young, he, I think he had some injury things where it was just like it made more sense to just opt out. It just exposes that lack of depth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you look at the defense, you know, the, the front seven you feel pretty decent about. The secondary, you feel good about the starting corners and it gets questionable. The safeties, you know, that might be the biggest opportunity for coaching. But I look at this roster overall, and I think, I'm not saying that they're going to be good, but I think there's reasons to be optimistic that it'll be better than the expectation. Um, but I, I put some thought into this, Adam, and I, I, I'm pretty, I'm convinced that the th- if Arizona underperforms next year, I think it's going to be one of one or all or some combination of the following three things. Number one, quarterback play. Number two, O-line play. And then number three is just their ability to adopt and adapt to Don Brown's high-risk, high-reward system. And that makes sense. And, of course, it's easy to focus on the quarterback because, well, it's the most important position on the field, and it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, question mark on the team. But how many times have we noticed, too, like with the last few years, like if the defense was just average, how much better would they have been? And if their defense is average or even slightly because it's the defensive system, like the system will be there, and they may not have the talent to execute it to perfection the way Don Brown wants, but just I have to believe the coaching will be better, the scheme will be better, and the talent is better than it was. So if the defense can make a few more plays, get a few more stops, get a couple turnovers here and there, get a sack, you know, put your offense in better field position, then maybe you don't need your offense to be perfect every day. You don't need the quarterback to throw the ball 40 times for 400 yards and five touchdowns. Because the last few years, if they didn't score points, they weren't winning games pretty much. I think there was like the Texas Tech game a couple years ago where they scored like 24 points and won. It made no sense. You know, other than that, like they had to score 40-something points to win a game. And even then, it wasn't always enough. So I, I think that's the underrated thing. Where like, obviously, I'm not saying the defense is going to be good. But if it can be better than we think and the talent level keeps getting better, just it seems like commitment by commitment, the talent level is rising. If they can be better and be a decent defense, then the offense doesn't have to be amazing. It just has to be pretty good to good. And they do have some good players. They have good running backs, good receivers. You know, the offensive line may be better coaching now too, a little bit more depth at that spot. Like there's avenues where they can be better than we think. Like this isn't saying they're going to be good, but the talent is better. And I think the coaching in uh should be better. <laughs> Well, and to work backwards through my list, like I'm actually confident that defense will—it's going to be high risk, high reward. There's going to—they're going to make some plays, and they're going to give up some big plays, and I think it's going to be better overall, just just by talent level and scheme and depth. You know, the the O line somehow regressed last year with largely the same, uh, you know, roster and and players and skill set. Um, you know, so if 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 they can turn it around with you know, either different schemes, different coaching, or Edgar Barola coming back maybe adds that extra level of depth that was missing last year. Um, that 
that helps feed into my biggest concern, which is the quarterback spot. And also the quarterback spot, there's still, it's not a complete roster until the fall when Jordan McLeod shows up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if the O-line performs, you know, better, and then you can scheme around your quarterbacks, um, you know, putting in the LA Rams offense, which I think can be really successful in college and kind of take a lot of the minimize the asks out of your quarterback i think you can scheme your way around that there's no reason why it can't be successful with that offense if you execute it it's just an execution offense there's a little bit of trickery to it like try misdirection with guys in motion everything like that but it's just execution i believe it's called trickeration when it's yeah it could be if they do it right it's trickeration but that's (laughs) what i'm interested to see because when we had michael lev on a couple weeks back i asked him you know well the talent level hasn't improved so dramatically to where he'd be like okay this could work. Why is there so much optimism? But in a way, in certain spots, it has. You know, not overall roster. And quarterback, it's probably taken a dip, but we haven't seen Jordan McLeod. Like, how big of a dip is it? We don't know. You know, receiver-wise, Jamari Joyner hurt his foot again in the spring game. He's going to be out possibly for the start of the season. We don't know how that rehab's going to go. Like, that hurts because Jamari Joyner is one of your better receivers, one of your more electric playmakers. But overall, defensively, like, that's a one. I'll go back to that because defense is the thing that travels, as they say. You know, like if your defense can be good, if your defense can be consistently effective, then you have a chance in every single game. So by focusing on that with the different coaching and everything like that, the defense could solve a lot of those other issues or it could mask some of those issues. You know, even 2014 when Arizona won the Pac-12 South, their offense was good. It wasn't a world-beater offense. They had their issues, but the defense was solid. It wasn't even a great defense, but they were solid. And they could be right. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like they got stops. They made some plays. They got turnovers. They got sacks, things like that. They didn't have to be perfect offensively to win a game that season. So by upgrading the talent on the defense, which they have with the guys who have opted back in with the transfers and everything, they might be building a team that doesn't need to score 40 points a game to win. And that's probably a good thing because as of right now, we don't know if Arizona has a quarterback who can get them to 40 points a game. That's all. So if you're, you know, the offseason has been pretty good to Arizona, other than Jamari Joyner's injury, actually, in the spring game, you have to feel pretty good about what they've done since then. And, of course, yeah, when they get into camp again with the entire roster, the freshmen who are coming in, the transfer linebackers, Jordan McLeod, then we'll really start to see the talent level. Like, we won't be able to see it until the games start. Of course, there's no more spring game. But you'll start to get a better feel for just how much better this team can be based on the veterans who are coming in. You're like, okay, they're supposed to rely on these guys. How good are they? How ready to play are they? But that's not for, you know, a couple months now. Yeah, and let's let's just hope that this uh, these green shoots of depth that we're seeing in the Arizona roster remain that way when you get to fall practice and nobody gets hurt more than Jamari Joyner. You know, that foot injury might already eat into the season, right, and might, might alter his entire season, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but aside from him, Arizona got out of spring with, you know, relatively unscathed on injuries, maybe some nicks and dings, you know, here and there. Um, but yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see it. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't think this is just the Homer fan in me that says, I don't think this team is as bad as that 77 game that shall not be mentioned. (laughs) <laughs> or, you know, losing 12 straight games. Like, they, I mean, for God's sake, they almost beat USC last year, and that was a team that has lost 12 straight games. And I'm convinced they would have beat Colorado if Grant Canell played. They would have had a chance to beat UCLA if Grant Canell didn't get hurt on the first play from scrimmage. 
Also, if yep. they had a regular non-conference schedule, they would have beat NAU to start the season, whoever it was, yep. and they probably would have beat Hawaii or whatever. Like they, they would have not won. They still would have been bad, but they would not be on a twelve-game losing streak. I think that we can all agree to. Like that's yeah. The, the, it's going to be a really intriguing game against in in Vegas against BYU to open the season. That yeah. Because BYU, I feel like it's a, is, is, is I, I think I saw somewhere. In They've TV lost a lot of their roster. I was going to say they lo- they had a very little returning production, which. They lost their quarterback. Know, he was a top draft pick. You know, it's, there, there's just inherent uncertainty there. Um, and if there's inherent uncertainty on their side and they don't have their stuff figured out and Arizona, you know, they, they overlook Arizona. There's an opportunity for Jed Fish and company to maybe, you know, not necessarily throw it on the gauntlet, but show the world that, you know, we're not going to be an easy out pretty early. Yeah, that's the hope. But I think that does it for Arizona. Of course, we could talk about the Pac-12 hired a new commissioner, but I think we both agree the guy, another name that I really don't want to have to pronounce, we'll call him George. That's his first name, like George Klyavkov. Kind of out of the box hire. Is, Can he be worse is, than Larry Scott? Probably not. I believe his friends call him G Money as he came from MGM. <laughs> so, like, you, you saw the hire, like, okay, I don't know who this is. The more you read up on him, you're like, yeah, okay, I can see why this might make sense. He's been successful. He's good in the digital area, which obviously for the Pac-12 network can be better and on more TVs. That would be a good thing if you can work on the scheduling to not have all the games at like nine o'clock, you know, Eastern or midnight kickoff Eastern. That would be good too. But either way, he's got to be better than Larry Scott because if he's not better than Larry Scott, then might as well fold up the conference and be done. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I I fully endorse that last statement. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, uh, everybody, thanks again for listening to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Uh, keep tuned to the channel, the 12-pack radio. You're going to see a lot more of that. Brian and the gang, they're going to have a lot more content coming on Wildcat Radio uh, 2.0's uh, channel. That's with iTunes, Spotify, where you get your podcast. You'll find all this content. So, yeah, if you have any questions for us, tweet us at Wildcat Radio AZ. You know, why not? We're we're happy to converse with you. There's always stuff going on with Arizona sports, as we say. It never never stops. But we'll be back at this next week, and whatever happens between them and now, we'll be happy to talk about it. So until then, remember to bear down. Bear down. By the way, I just remembered.